Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL, where you truly do hear from legends. And of course, we've got uh, a true legend here in the studio tonight, Wayne Bergeron. Wayne, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me again. Hey, and uh, before we get to Wayne, I, I do need to take care of some business. Of course, all of these interviews in May and June are being generously sponsored by Trent Austin and Austin Custom Brass. And if you have not yet experienced uh, any of Trent's videos, then you must be hiding under a rock because <laughs> Trent is putting stuff on social media every day. And uh, I teased him this week. Uh, it's like every day must be Christmas for Trent because it seems like he's he's got a new trumpet or a new set of trumpets in a <laughs> shop every single day. And and he takes them out and he showcases them and he plays them. And uh, you know, and he's a great guy, uh, great business. Uh, they will take great care of you out there. AustinCustomBrass.biz Trent, again, thank you for, for sponsoring, for helping out with Studio HFL. Um, let's see. Uh, Wayne, you might appreciate this. Um, actually, I'm going to put this in here first. Of course, next week, uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, Bijan Watson oh, is awesome. going to be my guest. And I have not talked to Bijan yet. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, I, we've only talked by email, communicated by email, but I know he's a terrific player. And uh, really, I'm looking forward to that. So again, yeah, he's a super nice guy too. So make sure you tell him I said hello. I, Absolutely. We, uh, he's Absolutely. in Boston now, so we we, uh, we converse only by text once in a while, or hello, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, Wayne, you might appreciate this. This is uh, this is one of my shirts I've got for sale. The World Trumpet Force. And, <laughs> I've all seen right. And okay, so Ventilabis Magis here, right? It translates as. Blow harder. <laughs> well, that is the answer. <laughs> right? I mean, and if I, I say this every week, if a trumpet community needs a motto, that's it, right? Blow harder. Very good. Man. Yeah. And uh, so that's available on the Studio HFL website, of course. And then uh, Rex Richardson just ordered one of these. He's going to get this in a couple of days. But uh, yeah, it says, we will not be silenced. So the World Trumpet Force there. My wife designed that one. I always got to give her credit for. Uh, oh, very cool, man. Oh, it's on harmony. I just noticed it. As yeah, well. right. I mean, that's brilliant. But, you know, the really? WTF there using the trumpet there. It's a kind WTF. of subtle. What yeah, the, you know. exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, I wanted to I wanted to make a shirt that says uh, we put the FU in fundamentals. <laughs> right. I see you laugh yeah. at that, but I kind of wonder if I would lose some. Uh, I would. I actually might gain a lot of listeners. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, right? I've said things much more off color than that at school. You know, elementary yeah. school. Yeah. <laughs> um, so hey, we got some people joining already. David Wolf, a good friend of mine. Uh, Nathan Hiscock, another good friend of mine. Both trumpet players. Uh, and then David. Cool. I don't know David. Uh, Kevin. Yes. Sorry, Kevin. I know, I know and Kevin. I, and hey, Kevin. Uh, so welcome, guys and and gals and whoever's out there. Appreciate you guys joining in tonight. So. Uh, yeah, that takes care of all the business at the front end of this. So Wayne, how you doing, yes, man? I'm doing pretty good. I, I literally just got back from uh, Joshua Tree. Anybody who knows the Southern California area knows uh, it's out in the desert. So I spent the last three days uh, camping in the desert with my wife. Not 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 trailer, not RVing, but actually with a tent and you know sleeping bags and uh, cooking outside. And uh, it was very cool. So I I just got back. I haven't touched my horn and I haven't touched my horn in a week now. Anyway, but. Uh, yeah, anyway, why, was, uh, why does why wouldn't I think that you would take a, at least a mouthpiece with you, with you? Well, I usually would, but I had some dental work done, and uh, so I'm letting letting it settle down. 
Well, that would scare yeah. off the wolves and coyotes at least, right? Yeah, we did see some coyotes. And, uh, oh. yeah. and we did some hiking. I saw I hiked yesterday. We did two. One pretty, you know, substantial hike and then one, uh, you know, nice hike. Just, you know, a little bit strenuous, but a shorter one. And then we went back and I made a couple of filet mignons and oh. and, uh, and baked potato. And we did, did it up at our campsite with our fire on and, you know, and socializing with the other uh, campers. It was really fun. And then this morning I got up, my wife and I, we did a three-mile hike. Uh, and it was getting hot. The day was starting to get hot out in the desert, so it was, we cut it short. So we did three miles and and then came back and had some breakfast, packed up, and then drove two hours and 20 minutes back home. My wife's out nice. front cleaning up all the gear as we... Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I is Joshua a Tree at uh, at altitude or, or sea level where... Oh, no, it's a, it's got some altitude. I'm not sure how high it is, to be honest with you. It's not ridiculously high there because it's, it's the high desert though but uh like mount san Jacinto uh is there which i have i've I backpacked it's twelve thousand feet mm. and uh and i backpacked that before i was in shape to backpack my wife was trying to kill me and it's one of the most amazing things i've ever done but it was really difficult for me because it's well you take this tramway up the side of the mountain to eight thousand feet it's in palm springs yeah palm springs burial tramway and a lot of tourists do that and then you can do little hikes around there, but we hiked into this other place like four miles in with a big pack on, you know, 35 pound pack and then camp, you know, set up your tent and, and all that. And then the next day you put on a day pack and you do a seven mile hike to the summit. Wow. And then you pack up your stuff and you go out four miles. So I was not in shape to do that at the time. I was, you know, right. 60 pounds heavier and, uh, and not in very good shape. And, uh, and I made it. The hardest part was when we got back to the very end of this thing, there was a little cement switchback that took you up to the bar in the restaurant. Yeah. And I almost couldn't make it. And I just wanted that beer. I mean, I was just going, <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, after all that, I mean, that's a 12-mile day. All right. You know, for somebody out of shape. I could do it now. wouldn't wouldn't be a problem. We've been hiking yeah. a lot. I, uh, we do. I did a couple of the fairly major mountains around here uh, recently, one called Mount Islip. <laughs> which is kind of a funny name for a mountain. Yeah, right. And uh, it's uh, seven hours, you know. Wow. And we got to the top of the peak. because at 6,500 feet, I think. And, uh, yeah. But we were the only ones there. Yeah. Just in the whole way down, we didn't see anybody. Because it, so, it separates the, you know, it separates the herd a little bit when you start getting into the, the harder hikes and, and altitude and, and uh, you know, and going uphill the whole time. Um. I've never done some serious hiking before, but um, with the way things have changed in the last year, my oldest son, he's 32, uh -huh. uh, he said, Dad, let's, uh, let's spend 10 days on the Appalachian Trail this, this summer or, or late summer, you know, depending on where we go in. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to it. But he's like, you know, let's do, let's plan on 10 to 12 miles a day. And I'm thinking it, it better be, it better be kind of level. Yeah, if it's level, it's pretty, I mean, you know, like this thing we did yesterday, it's up and down. Yeah. I mean, there's some pretty, pretty hype, you know, we were working. We went up to this old mill, there was a, uh, a mill, a mill from the 1800s up there. Mm -hmm. So one of the hikes is to this thing. So we, we took that up there and it's had some incline and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a butt kicker. When, when <laughs> I mean, you go out, when you go out like this, is this a, a kind of a, reflective i mean when you hike is it something therapeutic for you or i mean physical yes nope. but 
Most definitely, and especially now, because I started doing this after my cancer treatments. My wife goes all the time in the local mountains here, mm -hmm. you know, local hikes. And uh, so I started going with her and her hiking partner, this guy, Alexis, this bass player friend of ours. And uh, and they would just, you know, do a little easy one with me, you know. And they go, oh, you want to go a little further? Yeah, I can go a little further. They started pushing me. And now I'm out there with them on a regular basis and I'm setting the pace. Mm -hmm. So I... I feel pretty, pretty, you know, it's a good feeling. I go, man, from over a year ago, right. I'm, I'm actually doing this without stopping now. I'm used to have to stop five times. Now I'll do, we do the seven mile one where we go, uh, it's two miles to the gate into the park. Then we go into the Topanga national park and hike. And then there's a big, pretty serious rock hill. You go up. We just started doing that. And it's, a, you know, it's not climbing, but you're, you need poles. I wouldn't do it without pole, hiking, yeah. trekking poles. And you get up and that takes you up. And then we go up to this thing. It's called the rock. I forget the name of the rock. But then we sit there and we have a little bite to eat. And But I've gone, I'm getting there and just sitting there. And that's where we have our rest, where we come down. And uh, my good friend uh, and this great saxophone player here passed away recently, Kevin Guerin. Mm -hmm. And he was a young guy, cancer. And uh, and when I was going through my treatments, him and I were talking a lot because he was in the middle of treatments. And, and uh Anyway, he wrote me a. Uh, he was a, he's in the big fat band, and he he wrote us he wrote a generic letter for everybody. He wrote me a, and a few of the other people a personal letter because we kind of wow. connected. So I he's a very outdoors person, a hiker and a runner. So I waited. I went up there to read that. Oh, and uh, it was pretty emotional for me. And uh, and it's the weirdest thing, man. Because I'm reading this thing, and then all of a sudden, this really strong wind came up, man. And I was like, thank you, Kevin. You know, it was like one of those kind of moments. It gives me right. kind of chill to think about it. So yeah. um, so it is therapeutic for me um, and for my own selfish reasons, too, because I figure like I can't I beat cancer. Yeah, man. You know, fuck, you know and I'll show you <laughs> I'll show you a bracelet the guy at Capitol Records gave me the other day. It says, uh, you can read that. I know. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but Steve Genowick from Capitol, uh, who's this great recording engineer there, he had uh, colon cancer years ago. So he bought these from somebody in Holland, and he gave me his the other day because he yeah. knew I went through. I haven't seen him in a year. Yeah, you know. So since my cancer, so yeah. so I'm wearing that, and I just will just I don't take it off anymore. It's like so I feel like I've conquered something, and and many of my colleagues, Ryan Anthony and Kevin, is, weren't so lucky, as yeah. well as another. A gal that I—I uh, I know we're not talking about trumpet stuff right now. I promise you, we'll talk about trumpet stuff. This is great, man. This is life. This is this is. But yeah, this is more important than trumpet. There's right? a <laughs> there's a, and I don't know if he wants me to mention this or not, but it's public knowledge. It's a it's a trumpet player named Howard Moore from Toronto that we've been Facebook friends and nice guy. And and when he found out I had this, he he put his wife in contact with me who had the same thing. She was younger, a lot younger than me though. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we never spoke, but we texted and she said, oh, here, oh, you're in week three. Oh, you're doing really great. You know, she was very encouraging. Expect this. Your throat's going to really start hurting in the next weeks, you know, from the radiation and all that stuff. And and she gave me a lot of really great advice. And anyway, it was very kind of her. I didn't, I don't know her, you know, you know. Anyway, in November, when I got my, my clean bill of health, I, uh, I contacted them because I wanted to tell them I was excited. Hey, I got. My pet scan came back clean, and I didn't hear from them. And unfortunately, she'd had a reoccurrence, and uh, she just passed away a few weeks ago. So I don't know this person, but uh, 
I mean, it just destroyed me. It absolutely destroyed me. I've never met her. I just, I, I, her husband and I don't know each other real well, but I feel like I'm as close to them as I am anybody in my inner circle. I think uh, there's a there's a fellow that just chimed in here, Klaus Anselm. I think told me about this. Is that the same? Is that a connection there, up it in is. Toronto? Yeah. So yeah. Hi, Klaus. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm you know we're heartbroken. Yeah, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, I mean, for as many people that that succumb, right? I mean, it, it's it's bittersweet to celebrate those of us that survive, right? I'm five years post, five years cancer free now. You know, which which seems like an eternity ago, and you're, I think you're coming up on a year. It's right? just a, the anniversary of my first treatment was uh, May 11th. Wow, not wow. gonna keep track. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, well, yeah, you do, right? I mean, the the, the calendar starts to mean things during. Yeah, we like well, the, we had a big calendar, and I was literally with a, with a marker every day, every treatment. Yeah, you know, until June 29th, my final, my final one. You know, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it was you know it's no party as you know man it's it's uh but you know those of us that got on the other side of it you know I just and I used to think you know when I, even when I got cancer like well why me you know and then I started thinking well why not me <laughs> it just it doesn't pick and choose it's you know they yeah. can grab anybody and so anyway uh you know my heart goes out to I don't know Howard's watching this tonight but Klaus is and he knows Howard very well and and uh my heart goes out to, to, to Howard and his, his family. And, and, uh, and I think about them every day and when I was out on the trails the past couple of days, you know, I was out there, you know, standing on the top of a hill by myself and, you know, thinking about them. So. It was interesting too. Uh, interesting. It's not the right word. Nikki Anthony posted, uh, I think Ryan's birthday uh, was today or yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, again, another bittersweet thing to to celebrate. Uh, and I think we're kind of up June, middle of June. Uh, last year he passed away, but. Yeah, we, uh, we uh, Ryan and I, I didn't know Ryan real well either, but he brought me out to Dallas Symphony to play uh, La La Land Live, mm -hmm. you know, played to the movie there. So he brought, hey, you want to come out and play, you know? He goes, I don't have, they don't have a lot of money. Oh, just whatever you get, just have them pay me that. I, I don't care. I just wanted to come hang and. And uh, they got me a plane ticket in a hotel, of course. And mm -hmm. and Ryan and I got to hang for five days. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, you know, he was playing as, you know, he's going to chemo every day and he's or every week, and you know, and he was played his butt off, man. And uh, and we hung out every night. And I even mem remember, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this, but we were at this uh, establishment across the street, nice restaurant, you know, and and I was having these Cadillac margaritas that I like to drink, you know. <laughs> And I was having one of those, and he's drinking them too. And it dawned on me, I go, I go, dude, are you supposed to be drinking? <laughs> and he goes, oh man, these go great with the chemo. <laughs> a sense of humor you yeah. know, through the whole thing. And then yeah. him and I were texting quite a bit in his final hours or months anyway, you know, days. Yeah. And uh, because he had to do radiation on his face like I did, and he never had to do that. You know, so anyway, we shared this you know text banter and mm -hmm. i've saved of course you know i'll save it forever just uh right really emo another emotional thing and i it's another thing you don't know somebody really well but they become family when you get sick like this you know and uh you know just crushes me that that he didn't get on the other side of this you know he yeah. fought as hard as anybody ever i think you know you, you know, know he, it, it, 
it, you sit next to these people in the studio or, or on whatever concert stage, you know, and you think about making music together, but I mean, you realize just how, I mean, friends, yes, but it really does become a family, right? You know, and I'm thinking uh, just last week I edited Malcolm's interview uh, for radio uh, uh -huh. and I'm going through listening again and he's talking about you on Racy and some of these other guys that, that are, that are gone now. And the way he talked about him was with respect and reverence. And, you know, it was like everybody, it, it's not just the trumpet playing, right? It's, yeah. it's the, who they were. If I've, you know, <laughs> whether you're religious or not, but if there was ever a true angel in this world, <laughs> mm -hmm. if somebody said, I would say it would be you on Racy. Wow. He's just one of the most spiritual, and I don't mean spiritual religious wise. I mean, like a presence mm -hmm. and kind and inspiring. And when Yuan spoke, everybody listened. My my wow. band, I co I co emceed uh, his memorial, mm -hmm. and, he, and my band played. And he had he requested my band play at his wow. celebration of life. So I had all, you know, we had our Troy Sandoval and Carl Saunders and Chuck Finley, then Bob Finley, all these trumpet players come up and played a feature and all these great films of you and Malcolm played, you know, and it was great. And, uh, and, uh, and this, you know, just to see all my wife had never met Malcolm McNabb. She'd heard me talk about, him. I mean, I met uh, you on Racy. She'd, she'd heard me talk about him when I'd taken some lessons with you on, we were good friends. And, uh, but she saw that thing and she said, man, I felt like I knew this man my whole life just from watching what happened and, and everybody because the way i'm talking about him everybody in that room feels the same way you know we used to his birthday we would all get trumpet ensemble we'd stay in front of his house and we had an arrangement of happy birthday we'd play chinatown you know it was just something that happened on a regular so yeah so i know M malcolm and malcolm knew you on real well mm -hmm. you know so uh, they were they were good friends and uh yeah Anyway, I'm, I'm glad I got to know you, and I never got to play with him or hear him play, and he lost most of his sight. But anytime my band was playing, my big band played, he was there in a oh, wheelchair wow. with a whole clan of the older guard kind of yeah. trumpet players that are still around. Yeah. And they would come through and listen, and you could hear you on yelling, being a cheerleader, yo, yo, because he'd always say, yo, you know, it's this <laughs> thing. And uh, and he'd go, yo, Wayne, give me hell. You know, I'd hear him say that. It'd make me crack up while I was playing. You know? <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, he was, a, he was something else, man. Yeah. He was, and a player, I mean, I wish I could have heard it in person, but I've only heard the recordings and there's a recording of him playing the Vivaldi with Bob Duvall. Oh. He used to play with the LA Phil here, you know, yeah. when I was in high school. And it's just source music for some movie, you know, where it's in the background. It's the best Vivaldi I've ever heard. Of it's course, trumpet. it is. Yeah. It's, it's, you want it, it's it's a studio guy and and Bob Duvall. It's they must have talked about the ornaments because there's a lot of ornaments, a lot of right. different stuff. But they must have talked about it, right? But man, I listened to that. I was like, oh my God, that's about as good as I've ever heard from anybody. And it was just done real quick for a movie, you know. They, yeah. Boom, let's record it. Boom, we're done. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, maybe it's you don't get enough time to think about it, right? You don't get enough time to to fret over what you're going to do, so you just you just play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, uh, you know, you on other movies, you know, Singing in the Rain and, mm -hmm. and some of these other things. And Singing in the Rain, there's a, there's a big trumpet solo that a lot of people don't pay attention to or don't notice as much. But it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, April in Paris, the way it leads mm -hmm. into it. Like, boop, 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 boop. 
You know, April in Paris. Mm-hmm. Oh, not mm-hmm. April in Paris. Uh, American, American Paris. Paris. Yeah. April in Paris. Sorry, I'm confused. <laughs> my, 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 uh, my Paris tunes confused. Yeah. But uh, but this it led up to it like that, and then there's a high F on the end of three that comes in out of nowhere. And so I, I, I got to do this with the LA Philharmonic where they mm-hmm. did it to show the movie, you know, right. And so I got to do all these. So they have a click track for it. They have it all clicked out and which is moving around obviously because there was no click yeah. track when it was originally done, but you're sitting there and it's going, I forget how it led into it. It was like, boop, 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 like FD <laughs> with the shake on it. And then this, you know, bluesy thing that come winds down. Yeah. And it was the most ter- one of the most terrifying things ever because it's almost silent when you come in, and it's just you. It's not the band coming in; oh. it's just trumpets, <laughs> or, yeah, you know, and it's with strings. And uh, and you know, you see the string players like bows go flying. That <laughs> like, oh my god, was <laughs> coming. But so I bought the soundtrack to really listen to it because I never. And I'm thinking, man, this lead trumpet playing is about as good as it gets on mm-hmm. anything I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the tightness of the brass section, it's as good as anything to modern day. So these players, you know, like you on and Ray Triscary and, you know, Condoli brothers and these players. So, you know, not, not getting the credit. And I remember talking to Rick not that long ago and he was telling me, you know, there are real efforts to make sure that you guys are actually credited now on films. Is that happening? That's starting to happen. Yeah, like the, Os- the, the Oscars, only the last two years or three years have we gotten screen credit. You know, Rick did it like for you know twenty nine years or thirty years or something. Yeah. Never got to see his name. Yeah, up there after all those years of doing it. So I, I mine's been up there for the past uh, past few years. And then on movies now, they're starting to uh, get give credit now. He was Every telling me they uh, give credit for soloists, but you know. yeah. Well, uh, he was telling me the the guy that pull, drives the Porta Johns on and off the lot gets credit. <laughs> I forget what he called him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, but and he's he, like, even that guy gets credit. You know, how come the musicians aren't aren't getting well, credit? The, the reason the reason for it, or their excuse has always been for it, has been music is in post production, the last thing done, basically. One of the very final things in the movie. The movie is finished. The end crawl is timed out with all the names up oh. there already. Now it's very easy just to rewrite a little bit more music and <laughs> right. You know, but that's been one of the reasons that I've heard, you know, the end because of that, because it's post-production, so much, it's post and we're the, to be honest with you, we work on the thing less than everybody. Some of those people have been there for three years. The cater, so the catering people have been catering for these actors for three years while they're shooting this movie. Yes, so, but watch the movie without music and see how good it is, right? Of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. all, all the reasons and of course. why it should be. I'm, I'm, and I'm not justifying, I'm just telling you whatever. Yeah. I hate yeah. it. You know, the fact that, you know, on even on the second Incredibles movie, you know, that I, you know, I've got a high, I've got a high G shake in every scene, you know, and you cannot, I can't even get a pension, you know, right. like, really, you know, I've like, I've got an aneurysm from that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Some, you know, so, um, and then it's funny, other movies, like I remember uh, I did this movie called Lawless and I had one little, uh, like old timey thing to play in a solo tone mute, and it was literally I just go, like something a little written thing, 
I got screen credit, and I watched the movie, and I never even heard it. They gave they gave me screen credit for that. They said Wayne Bergeron, trumpet soloist. Wow. And I had other things, but you wouldn't even notice them. Right. And then and then something like uh, Dances with Wolves, which Malcolm plays, and the right. opening scene is. This beautiful trumpet solo, yep. and it said that the you know, the the screen opens up, and it's Malcolm is like setting the, and he didn't get screen credit. Yeah, but other musicians did. There's a mandolin on there; they got screen credit. Like a few people, like but not the trumpet soloist, who is a part of this movie, a big part of it. Yep. So that's a little bit frustrating, you know. Uh, but now well, that's changing, which is really great, you know. So. Finally. So is is that uh, that's not just movies, right? They're doing that for uh, TV as well. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, on Family Guy and shows like that, they don't show our names. You know, they, anyway, you would never see it because on TV it's going. You know, they just oh, rush right. the, all the <laughs> right. news is coming. The news is coming right. on, and I find that I know why they do it. I find it the most disrespectful. Just don't even show the credits. Right. It's the most you know because maybe you don't care, but you know what? That you know voiceover person's mother that would love to see their daughter or son's name go by on there. They care. Hey, you know it's what? Disney big deal to them, you know, Disney has gotten pretty clever now, uh, like in the Mandalorian and uh, I think Falcon, one of, one of these other new shows, uh, they roll the credits, but then they put little snippets, you know, like teasers for the next episode or a new series in there. So if, if you, yeah don't watch the credits, you don't get to see this. So they're making people at least sit through the credits or at least fast oh, that, forward through the credits, you know, but it's kind of clever, I think, you know? Yeah, that's good. I mean, it would just be nice to see, you know, and if, in a few movies they have, of course, you know, I've, I've gotten screen credit a handful of times on different things. And some things I don't even care about, you know, it's like, really, it's like, there's things I'd rather, you know, should be listening to the orchestra on this, you know, this, so you mentioned something before we went live here that got me kind of excited. You mentioned um, Animaniacs reboot. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to start uh, the scoring that we, again? We've been scoring them. We've done, I don't know, we've done a whole season. We're in season two. <laughs> awesome. But I'm doing it from home. Yeah. You know, because, it, you know, this kind of started after COVID, you know, and well, it started a little after that, even, you know, when we started getting back to work, but they figured out a way to do this and we could do this from home. Mm -hmm. Family Guy I did it first. I started doing those from home and American Dad and uh, World of Mickey Mouse and some of these other TV shows that I play on. Uh, and then we started doing this anime, which is we and we did the first ones, of course, with the orchestra in the studio when the series started and then everything shut down. And so now we do them. So I do the first trumpet part. And uh, and at first what we were doing is I would play the first trumpet part to their their mock up that they send me mm -hmm. of all the cues. And then I would send them to the second trumpet player. I'd send them to Rob Rob Shear, mm -hmm. and uh, and then he would play to my part, and then he would send it to John Lewis and mm -hmm. and the trumpet section. We so we'd be together. We were doing that at first just to make sure when we sent our parts in that we were in tune, our releases are right because there's right. a lot of different interpretations we could be. You know, when we go, wah, how fast is that? Mm -hmm. Is it wah or is it wah? You know, there's a lot of different ways to do that, you know, and they want the wah to be on the beat. So if the click's going like this, there's a wah, wah, the wah has to be on the beat. So you have to play ahead of the beat. There's a lot of people don't think about that probably. Because right. if not, it'll go one, two, three, four, 
wah, and then yep. the wah will be late and it'll be off of the picture. So, I mean, all those things considered, uh, but we've kind of given up on that. You know, it's kind of funny because we're getting so wrapped and we get the parts and I go, oh man, I gotta, I gotta get this cranked out, man. So I'll just crank out all the first parts. Then I just upload them to the thing. And I just tell the other players, look, use a tuner. It's no shame in using it in this environment. Right. I know right. if we played together, we'd be in tune. But if you're playing it and you're playing to a synthesized track that's untempered to samples, mm, right? it's got to be true. You know, don't bother, you know, lowering the thirds or raising the thirds on major. You don't bother right. them and yet play in tunes or very, you know, within a reasonable proximity of a tune, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so we've been sending him and I talked to the engineer. I go, how does this stuff sound? Because the trumpets always sound great. Because you guys, you send it in. I have very little to do. Nice. So every once in a while, I got to nudge somebody's note over to Schlater early a little bit to the other, or I'll move everybody. He goes, but in general, he goes, trumpet, you guys are crushing it. So, so you know, think about that versus a regular session. You know, I, what's a typical call? Two hours, four hours? Three hours. Three. Well, for fees, uh, a double, we've been doing double, so six hours. So six hours, but they send you the first parts, and how long do you take to get that done? No. Uh, they, they still kind of pay you for six hours, or? They're only four, yeah. We're paid for six hours if we do it in 15 oh, Okay. Minutes. Yeah. But, in there, you can only record so many music minutes of music per session per hour. Oh, that's You've right. Nine minute break, mandatory. Lunch break after three hours. Right. So there's all those factors in it, just part of the union contract, right? Yeah. And here, I don't have to take a break. I mean, I'm being paid for the break, so I'll plow through. Yeah. And I've got it down to a science here. I mean, I've got the way I have my Pro Tools sessions set up and. I, I don't have a bunch of separate sessions. I have one giant session with all the stuff in it. And so I, I've got it down where I can, if I want to power through these fast, I can't. I mean, I take a lot of care to make sure they're right. Yeah. You know, I play through and I listen because I'm, you know, it's got to be right. You know? Yeah. You know? So I play it and I make sure everything makes musical sense. And uh, and then I have to edit the noise out, you know, in between because I just let it right. roll. You know, I don't sit and punch in. I just play the cue down. And if I make a mistake, I'll go back and fix it. Or if I didn't play something the way I thought, I'd listen and go, oh, yeah, that needs to be played this way. And then I got to go in between. I got to take all the room sound out and put fade into every, you know, fade out into everything. And then I consolidate that file and I rename it. And then that, you know, I put it in a folder and then I send that whole, all the cues have to be labeled a certain way. You know, A-N-M-X, you know, Q13 underscore right. zero seven. That's me. I'm number seven. First trumpet is number seven underscore, uh, you know, M, uh, M11 or whatever the Q number is. And we all have to do it ex that exact way. Otherwise, yeah. when they get this, it'd be a mesh trying to find these files. Like, oh my God, right. the trumpets and violins would be intermingling in the files and they'd have a mess. So everything has to be super organized when it's sent and uploaded to their, uh, their server. So there's a little bit of work involved. So besides the playing, now I'm a recording engineer and I'm an editing engineer. So I'm doing the job of three people. So I might then lend faster than six hours, but I don't feel bad about taking the money because I've earned it. <laughs> you know? Sure. So hey, um, I, I want to ask you, and and uh, you might tell me, no, let's steer clear of this, but uh, there was a project you shared with me not that long ago. Uh, there's some first trumpet. It was kind of like the music minus one. Oh, uh, uh, my, my play along app. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, it's taking life now because 
originally it was going to be a music minus one <coughs> kind of thing, minus a lead trumpet. That was my original vision. <coughs> and then I said, well, why don't we just make it music minus trumpet one, trombone one, bass trombone, uh, first alto, first tenor, baritone sax, like the, the you know, the, the players that might have the solo chairs right. and then bass piano. So anybody can nice. play along. And so Andy Martin and I and Salazano, we recorded all the the parts. I recorded all the trumpet parts and the solo, uh, and Sal did all the sax parts, and Andy did all the trombone parts. You know, three tenors and a bass trombone. And then they would send me. I would send them. I I would work with the. I played to a, a fake rhythm section that Tom Kubis puts together in, in Logic. And it's pretty good because he actually plays like ride cymbal. You know, he actually makes it feel good. So I play the trumpet part. I send them to Andy Martin and Sal. Then they would send their parts back to me. I put it back, all back together. When we were all done with the twelve charts, we went into the recording studio and recorded the rhythm section later. And then we'd all played. We played solos on different tunes, so there'd be solos in the in the complete versions. So right. what it is is there's a uh, in the play along uh, version. There's a there's all those parts, and you, right. but you can mine with any of those instruments. Right, and you can play along with it, and you get the MP, you get an MP3 of the full band minus your instrument plus the chart, uh, and that was just going to be to sell from our websites. Well, it's kind of evolved since I talked to you mm -hmm. now, and it's in a couple of different. Uh, we uh, we decided it's going to be a collaborative effort, and we're going to do more of this. So and so we came up with the name Adacat. Oh, like, cool! Add a cat. Yeah, but it's A D D A. C-A-T. And so we have yeah. a website now. And volume one is up there. It's called The Monday Night Hang. And it's and it's 12, just basically swing, meat and potatoes, uh, Tom Cooper's charts that are all public domain, so we don't have to pay any licensing on them, you know. Yeah. You know, they're re and they're really good. And so you get, you basically get, uh, if you buy the whole thing, you get an album. You get a for 12 tunes, professionally recorded. That sounds really great. Caius of standards went into the mixing and everything. Uh, you get the the music minus one thing and and the chart, and from the site. And we just and it's a collaborative effort, so you know none of us nobody so, getting rich. It's just a thing. Well, it's a thing for players to do when they don't have anything to do. You know, to to get a workout in. Well, I was just going to throw my two cents in on that. You know, you shared that with me, and and I'm still playing through those. I'll play through one or two a day. You know, I mean, it's 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 a lot of fun. So um, thanks for really letting me fun, keep, yeah. access, <laughs> keep access, keep yeah. access to those. Yeah, so hey, I've, uh, been, I've been practicing those myself. But we also, Peter Erskine, uh, who has, you know, all these play-along apps, there's a Bob Mincer play-along app. He wanted to pick this up. So they have it for Apple, for an app version, actually, mm -hmm. for the iPhone. But we get a mixer and stuff. You know, the thing from the site is actually, you know, physical or you download to stuff, you know, so. Go ahead. Sorry, um, I didn't mean it. I was doing my spiel. No, 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 no. I, I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad you were telling me. Uh, I want to get to some of these questions over here on the side. Uh, and at the very bottom, Kevin's asking, where do we get it? And did you say Adacat is now actually a website? Yeah, website, Adacat, A-D-T-A-C-A-T dot com. And is there a link even through your chart, your uh, Bergeron site? Not yet. No, no, there will be. I mean, we're okay. we, this is very new, man. This is just born. Like yeah. when I left on on my little camping trip here. So, and well, I'll uh, Trey put that Henry, in the notes when I post this. I'll put that website link up there. Oh, great! Yeah, Trey Henry, the bass player's son, designed the site. So we paid him for the website design and we'll and for the maintenance of it. And then we'll uh, 
any money made. Well, and there's also the cool thing about this Atticad site, besides all the individual instruments, there's a conductor one. And there, a band director can get the CD oh. or the MP3, you know, basically yeah. no physical CDs, and the chart for $45. Nice. I think it's, it might be 50 bucks. But he gets you get the chart for his band or her band and a reference CD of it being played very well or recording of it being played very well. So yeah. it's pretty cool. It's pretty cheap. And I think it'll uh I think it's gonna have some legs here. I've almost got volume two finished recording here. So we'll go in and do the rhythm set. So we're gonna do one more swing volume. Then we're gonna do a soloist series where it's a big band minus a soloist. Mm -hmm. So a feature, all the different instruments, you know. Right. And then we're gonna do one for like middle school younger bands. You know, Good, so yeah. I can play that one. <laughs> right. You can play second on that. Yeah, right. yeah, right. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, I just got that. Yeah, I'm a little slow. Yeah, thanks. I'll take I'll take the fourth book on that. Uh I want to back up here. Let's see. Um, man, I gotta get new glasses. Uh Klaus is asking, is it similar to the Bob Mincer app? Do you know the, about that? Yeah, I, well the the app which is not available on Atticat, but this is two separate things because this took a life of its own. Peter Riskin wanted to originally wanted to do this as an app only. And I said, well, I had these other plans. He goes, okay, well, can we use it? And I said, yeah. So it's identical to the Bob Mincer. It'll even look, even the icon will look the same. It'll just say we, Wayne B play along though. Sweet. Um, but it's exactly, it's the exact same app, which I have. I have the Bob, I played on the Bob Mincer one as well. Um, and which is interesting about that is Bob Mincer, you know, he, uh, uh, we did this thing of all old charts of his, right? And we did this play along app and, but then they decided to release a CD and then it was nominated for a Grammy, which I thought was funny. The thing was not even supposed to be a, uh, but you know, yeah. it came out really great because the soloists were great, of course. And yeah. the end sounded really, really good. It wasn't just me doing all the parts. So I did just the lead parts. Then somebody else did second and then somebody else did third and fourth, you know? So there well, was not just somebody else. I mean, this is what happens when you put some really great players together, right? Yeah, it, it came out, and that came out really great as well. Yeah. So it was, was quite fun. So yeah, those um, apps are fun, man. I think they're the way of the future, and especially during the, the pandemic, when those people didn't have any place to play. Now things are opening up, but still, it's going to be a while. These things are a good workout. When I play through five of those in a row with a student, I'll let them play lead, and then we'll swap, and I'll play lead, and then we do five. So that's ten charts basically playing first or second. Wow. You'll feel like you've done something. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to play the rest of the day. So it's a good workout <laughs> for sure. And fun. Uh, Shane Connor, uh, trumpet player here in Indiana. Um, how did you learn the electronic part of the business? Uh, classes? Um, uh, let's see. Did friends show you how to do that? Yeah. Um, I don't have any friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I've kind of known a little bit about some of this stuff for a long time, but just barely dabbling for years. It wasn't until I did my last cd which has been a few years now uh full circle that i decided i want to learn how to do this because i was going into the studio with full big man spending thousands of dollars a day you know to go to a major studio here in los angeles pay everybody of course i mean i paid everybody you know my last cd i got sixty-five thousand dollars of my hard-earned money in it it's not a fly-by-night production by any stretch of the imagination and that's with favors that's with people tearing up their checks and saying i don't have to pay them so i did it right and i had it you know Every you know, I didn't skimp on anything. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, what I did decide, because Gary Grant had been my producer on my other CDs, who I paid, you know, handsomely. He's my good friend, but I still paid him, of course, you know, to, because he would do everything. But he knew how to do all this. So we'd go into the studio, 
record everything and he'd have all the redo three takes of everything, you know, and then he would put them together, go, oh, take two is better. But the ending on take one is better. Let's use the ending from take one. You know, that's, you know, we, you know, so we put together the best, the best of the three takes or whatever. And then I would play my solos live there. And then if I wanted to re replay it, I could, you know, or not or whatever. Some things were live, some are not live, you know. Well, let's be perfectly honest. You know, I went in and fixed the clamor too. You know, why not? We have the technology. You know, if you were a famous painter and you were painting a, this is my argument with this. If you were a famous painter and you were painting this beautiful painting and you've been working on it for six months and you were on the final thing in the middle of it, the Mona Lisa and this <laughs> just June bug goes splat. Do you just leave that or do you fix it? Or do you start over? That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's right? how I look, I look at that. So I think that, uh, not to go off on a tangent about technology, but I think that if it's a fair representation of what you do live, it's okay. But if you manufacture something you can't do, yeah. I think I do take issue with that. Like the yeah. you know, pop singers that can't really sing and then they sound amazing and you hear them live and they sound like a goat being, you know, slaughtered, you know? And, and, uh, so I, so I'm a, so anyway, so I learned instead of paying Gary because it was very time consuming, I said, I'm going to learn how to do this. So I bought Pro Tools and I did take a couple lessons with Dustin Higgins, who Dan Higgins is a great saxophone player, his, his son, who's an amazing recording engineer and super nice guy. And really, he makes it so easy. So he came over and he showed me. He got me set up. And so I had all these tracks. I've got all these big band tracks in the studio, and I don't know what to do with any. And he just said, no, it's easy. Here's all your takes are over here in this window. Mm -hmm. He showed me how to do it. And he goes, you listen. He showed me how to edit. He showed me how to, you know, from one to take one thing from another. If You can't always do that, but you can a lot of times. Right. And so I just started doing it. And I got, and I've spent several years now, and I'm, now I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard, but I'm pretty freaking good at it. <laughs> So, uh, I, so when the pandemic hit, I was way ahead of the curve from mm -hmm. a lot of players with home studios. Because I'd been doing this, and I produced a trumpet ensemble here, and I produced Tom Kubitz's big band record, and I had the band here, you know, trumpets, you know, in my house, recording. So I learned a lot about how to do this stuff. Uh, there is a new Tom Kubitz record. Why don't I plug that while I'm here? It's yeah. called "Take Me to the Ball Game." It's available on Apple Music or from TomKubitz.com, or you can get it from my site too if you want a physical copy. Uh, and uh, it really came. It's the great. It's the best CD we've ever done, I believe. And it's the most well produced. I will tell you that, <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I'm really super proud of it. Yeah. Uh, not that ed editing or any of that. I mean, it's just the band is what it is. It sounds great, but sonically, and the mix itself. And I didn't do the whole final mix myself. We took it into uh, this guy Charlie Perlard at Dragon Cry Fl Dragonfly Creek Studios here in Malibu, and had him. Because he's got all the great, you know, uh, post gear that I don't have, and so we that's so why I mixed it with him there, and it really, really came out great. So anyway, that's how I, that's how I learned to do it. I never took any classes on it. There's stuff I need to learn, of course, about how all this gear talks to each other. I can't show you because I can't turn my computer around, but I've got a bunch of stuff here. But that's another art in itself, is like cooking all this up so it talks to each other yep. and works seamlessly. And Dustin came over and did that all for me. I know how to run Pro Tools, you know, and Logic a little bit, and and I know a little bit about microphones now and mic pre's and 
analog digital converters and all this really boring crap, you know? Well, it, it's funny, you know, like in the last year or so, we've all become somewhat of an expert on, uh, on <laughs> Zoom, at least, you know, maybe not Pro Tools, but I think we've mm -hmm. all experienced a little bit of that curve, you know, and and what it's like to, first of all, I've, I've gained a huge appreciation for people who design lighting. Oh yeah. Right, because yeah. trying to light a studio, right? And you know, right now I'm, this might be the best I've ever, I've ever looked normally, it, and, and I'm not saying much there, you know, but it's, it's like, <laughs> You know, you try all these different things. You try a green screen and then you go to the microphones and you try to find this, that, and the other. But what works great for vocal doesn't work. You know, when you're teaching lessons, you can't use that mic for that. But um, yeah, let me get to another question over here. Um, how do you achieve such an open sound in the high register? Wait, wait, before you go there, I want to go back. You said you don't have any friends and I disagree because didn't you have an album that uh, plays well with others? No, it was misspelled. It was actually supposed to be a nautical thing. It was supposed to be plays well with otters, but yeah, you know what? That opening, uh, uh, was it something endless torture, right? Oh, that, that's on the other C that oh, that's on plays well with others. You were right, yeah, right. uh, so that's perfect. You know, how do you achieve such an open sound in the high register? Um, you know, it's a sound that. I, I don't know exactly because I don't want to say weird technical things, but I play with a pretty open aperture in the upper register. And I, I hate to say that because it just opens up the topic for trumpet players to argue about shit. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but Bobby, she agrees with me. So <laughs> this is where I learned oh, how there to you do go. That. Yeah. So, I mean, if you ever watched Maynard play, for instance, he would do this. Hang on a second. I lost your lost your visual. Try do that again, Wayne. And he'd stick his tongue between his lips, and then put the mouthpiece up there, and then rapish, you know, how he'd rapish chops around the mouthpiece would be like, yeah. oh, mate, man, especially later in life, man, it was just like really twisted, and one ring was over here, and he was, you know, he was mm -hmm. doing all this stuff, and uh, but he was opening his aperture up, and then he would shoot this cannon of air through there to get the lips to vibrate, you know, that far apart, and of course. That aperture, you know, the aperture is your volume control. The bigger the aperture, the louder you're going to be. And that's just mm -hmm. the fact of the matter. <laughs> you know, if you're blowing into an oboe or something and you make the the tunnel, you know, squeeze down on the mouthpiece, no matter how hard you play, it's only going to get so loud. They create dynamic by getting that reed opened up. This is our reed. So uh, that's where air kind of comes in because... To, to create the upper register notes with the aperture further apart, you have to create more compression inside the mouthpiece to get the lips to vibrate the frequency of those notes. Um, I think. <laughs> I follow everything up with I think because no. I, that's how I feel about it. And that's, you know, talking to Bobby Shue about this stuff and, and uh, he would have a much more in-depth <laughs> reason for all of this. Uh, but, you know, that's how I think about it. I just think about playing like an opera singer is my is my mental and maynard said that to me i asked maynard man when you play in the upper register man you it just sounds so wide open you know and he and, he, and i asked him about tongue level and all seven he had no idea what i was talking about mm. when i asked maynard ferguson about tongue level he did not know he was like tongue level what do you mean <laughs> I go, yeah like an e ah, uh, you know t <laughs> you know he's like yeah <laughs> wasn't following it mm. he said no i just play like an opera singer ah so I started doing that, and I probably told this story before, 
but this is 1986. So I started thinking about that. So I'm practicing. I'm going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm going, oh, oh. And I hit a high C like that. And it's like twice as loud. Wow. And I'm working a little harder for it. Yeah. So on the bandstand that night, I'm playing. And the trombone player, Alex Iles, goes, dude, man, you are so freaking loud tonight. And I go, well, really? And he goes, yeah, man. He goes, what do you do? We didn't even have any monitors, so it's not miking, you know. Mm-hmm. And I and I go, well, wait, just show me this thing. So I'm doing this. He goes, man, because you're so wide open. So I've been doing that ever since. You know, and anybody that's watching this is gonna is is either picking up their horn and trying it right now, or they're they're gonna try like me. They're gonna try this after after we're done I've, here. I've had <laughs> I've had many a student come in here with a pinch sound going. They were trying to buzz this little ant fart, you know. And all this stuff, I go, do me a favor, play a C in the staff. And I want you to get your tongue out of the way. And I want you to, don't worry about the attack. And I want you to display fortissimo. And I want you to go, ha, ha. And the, I don't care if it goes, fa, I don't care. But they would literally be 10 times louder than they were when they were playing. I go, do you hear how? much fuller that sounds. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we have to reel that in <laughs> because that's a horrible attack and you're completely uncentered because your tongue's out of the way. So now we have to reel this in a little bit and we have to bring the tongue involved a little bit. You know, it doesn't need to slam to the roof of the mouth. We don't have to play a high G. It's not necessary to do that. You know, you can get the tongue, raise the back of the tongue mm-hmm. by saying, ah, 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 you know, and the oral cavity is way more open. You mm-hmm. can have a bigger aperture here and you can have a bigger sound because you got more resonating chamber happening. So I think, thank you for the compliment. It's very sweet of you to say that. Uh, but I think that's how I, that's how I think about it anyway. And it's a sound I hear in my head and this, my favorite trumpet sounds are many of, you know, besides Conrad Gazzo and all those names that we always just name drop with are players that I worked with here in Los Angeles, George Graham and Warren Looning. They have Wayne, big I'm, I'm, Wayne, hang on a second. I'm, I'm losing your, your audio there. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you, yeah. Let right me, let me, actually, let me turn off my Wi-Fi because I'm on Ethernet right now. Anyway, hang on one second. It got just a little bit garbled there. Are you on my back? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, I can hear you. I, I can't see you just yet. Oh, okay. Well, that's weird. Huh? There we go. There we go. I'm gonna try something here anyway. I'm gonna try. Well, something's better. Whatever, whatever okay, you did. I'll leave it. Okay, good. Yeah. So, uh, uh, where was I going with that? What did I say? You're I'm talking about great players. All they're great. Oh yeah. So the sounds that I hear in my head. I mean, I always love Bobby Shoes playing. You know, so that's kind of a sound I hear in my head when I play flugelhorn, especially. And I always love George Graham's playing, and Rick Baptist playing, and Gary Grant's playing, and they they all had big sounds. They had big round sounds. They weren't laser beam lead trumpet players. They were well-rounded, could play classical music, could switch hats, you know, but the core of the sound was always the same. That never changed. Where a lot of times if you get a lead trumpet player that's like a screechy lead trumpet player, and they sound great too, you know, whatever, you know. Bill Chase, you know, he had that kind of screechy lead sound, which was great. It was exciting on Woody Herman's band, but you probably wouldn't want to hear him play, you know, on Lee Trump and on Back to the Future. <laughs> you oh, know right, what I mean? Right. You know what I mean? And it's not that it's, I'm not, that's not a put down because he's one of my biggest inspirations ever. And I love, there's a, every note I play has a little bit of Bill Chase in it. But what I'm talking about is the more well rounded 
type players that play all kinds of different kinds of music. So George Green, all those players I mentioned, have big round lead trumpet sounds with plenty of screech in them. <laughs> that that's still in there. That buzz and that yeah. sizzle or whatever you want to call it, that heat yeah. is still in there. And those were always my favorite sounds. So they're, they're the sounds that I hear in my head. Yeah. I don't hear that other type sound. Um, you know, uh, I know there are an awful lot of people who are are trying to, well, they're not trying, they're using you as a role model. And of course, Louis Dowdswell comes to mind. You know, <laughs> Louis, what's that? I said he's become like a very dear friend of mine since I've talked to him when he was 15 years old the first time, you know. You know, uh, but what, what frustrates uh, me and everybody else about him is he makes it look so easy, right? <laughs> It's yeah, like, could, couldn't you sweat a little bit while while you're playing? He told me he hurts on the inside. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he's you know, and to be honest with you, just to be perfectly honest, I took my recording stuff to the next level because of him, because he became this great. He really dove into the technology, and he's become an amazing producer, as you can yeah. hear on oh, this yeah. project. Oh yeah, you know. So he came out. He was when we did that Incredibles thing together. He was at my house here. He was him and his wife were visiting his fiance at the time so he filmed me here but he showed me a bunch of new stuff how to set up my gear you know just a couple little tricks you know mm -hmm. to get me sounding even better in my home studio here so i owe a lot of credit to to louie you know i might have inspired him and taught him a few things along the way you know but he's yeah. taken the torch and and run with it i'm i'm i feel like he's my trumpet son and i'm like so proud of him i feel like <laughs> you know you have somebody like that that's doing so well and you feel like yeah. You know, he told me I was the first lead trumpet player he ever heard because a big fat band was the first band he ever heard. Mm -hmm. So that could go a lot of different directions. That could go very <laughs> sour as well, you know. Right, right. But uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm uh, very proud. We got another question here uh, as a follow up. Uh, how do you decide when you're ready to record an album? Is it based on music you want to record or money or other factors? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, my first, my first CDs were done in chunks. My very first CD was done on a whim. I had these three charts, Friend Like Me, Waltz of the Flowers, and uh, Hospital Blues. And they're three charts that, that were just written for me to plant master classes. <clears throat> I decided to put a band together to record them. So I got Tom, I used Tom Kubis's band for those first three tunes. So I booked the studio, jacked up my credit card, and did the tunes. And they ended up coming out really pretty great. Mm -hmm. So I played them for Gary Grant and he goes, Oh man, Wayne, this is great. And get let me produce this. So all right. So now I gotta get the credit card out with a higher credit limit. <laughs> I gotta pay Gary now. <laughs> so we went in and we did another three tunes four months later. And wow. then another three tunes way later. So that's how I did that. The next CD uh was done a little quicker because I had a record label conquered because of the success of my first CD. We got nominated for a Grammy and all this really good stuff happened on a shoestring of a budget, really, you know. And uh, uh, the next CD got picked up by record label, so they gave me X amount of dollars. It wasn't enough, but they gave me, they own it. Yeah, but that you know? Grammy nomination, right? That really, that's a big stamp of approval on something. Oh, I, I mean, that'll get you somewhere, right? You can't see it, but it's up on a big giant frame in my <laughs> with my CD in there. I'm very proud of it, of course, you know. The second CD, nada, nothing. <laughs> All this money behind it, you know, doing everything. You know, the other first one was literally for shoestring budget. And then my third CD, uh, you know, I was all in on my, myself with that one, like I said. But it's kind of out of just like it's time to do one. And I have all this music that people have written for me. 
you know, I've got in my Pro Tool session here, I have a folder that says new Wayne solo CD. And there's five tunes in there right now waiting to be recorded, you know. Nice. So, uh, you know, one of them is, uh, uh, um, what's the name of the tune? It's, uh, one's called uh, uh, something Pier. Tom Kubis wrote it. I forget the name, the name of it. Uh, but anyway, it's supposed to sound like Jack Sheldon. So I, I did a demo of it doing my best Jack Sheldon that I could do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a couple of standards. I'll be seeing you. With Ch- I always loved that tune. So Tom did this beautiful chart for me on that. So I've got that. So I'm, I don't know, when I've got 10 things, I'll probably take the band back in the studio, maybe end of the year or something and yeah, go do it, you know, go try to knock it out. So anyway, that's, it's, there's no really plan behind it. I don't go, I'm going to do a CD. This is going to be the theme. I just kind of do it. And people have been kind enough to send me music. I mean, I, ha- I have enough music on my computer here to do 20 CDs. <laughs> I've, I have enough trumpet features to do 20 CDs. We just got to make sure you, you you've got the chops to get through there, right? So you, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, but but yeah. So I've got plenty of stuff, and then uh, and other people sending stuff constantly. So that's very you know, it's very nice to have a luxury of people writing for you. you know? Well, I know what'll help. Of course, uh, Chop Saver will certainly help, and I'm saying that because Dan Gosling just chimed in uh, <laughs> down here. Dan says so good to hey, see man. you both. <laughs> Hold on a second. Oh, I yeah. don't have this desk right now. God dang it. <laughs> oh crap where's my chop saver ah there you go there you go <laughs> but i mean a matter of fact i was putting this on while i was hiking today so. i was just going to ask you to take some with you there you go yeah, absolutely hey here's an equipment question um is there going to be a revision to your yamaha trumpet and if yes how will it be different yes yes and yes and here it is <laughs> um this is not out yet. It's the 8335 LA next generation. They, with all their, uh, <clears throat> they made all these changes of their classical horns, their smaller horns. And uh, it's been very, very positive with the C trumpets and E flat trumpets mm-hmm. and, and piccolos. And and so they made all these same changes to Bobby Shue's horn, Eric Mirashiro's mm-hmm. horn, and my horn. And, uh, and so it's a different annealing, it's a different valve yeah. section, a different annealing. You can see the caps look different even but a different annealing process here. The specs are exactly the same. I tried to change the specs. We had 10 different lead pipes made. I thought, let me make the Venturi smaller. Because the big complaint about my horn when people play, they go, oh, it's too open. I mean, I don't feel like it's that open necessarily, but if somebody's used to playing, you know, a Bach 37, it might feel a lot more open than they're used to. So I thought about, I'm getting older too. You know, I'm 63. Yeah, things change, right? And I had cancer and all that, you know, so, you know, I, so I was looking for resistance. So trying to add it in the front end of the horn here. So we, but you know what? None of them captured the character of the sound. We ended up back on the exact same size lead pipe, you know, going into a large board tuning crook, coming into yeah. a medium large valve section, going out, shoe bell, but 460 or 459 out the bell instead of 444, I think Bobby says, or 445. So, this is it. This is the uh, pre-production uh, prototype. Is and, it Bob uh, that you work closely with on that? Bob, Bob, Malone. Bob Malone, yeah. But we did a big playing. We did a big test session recently, and we have the new flugelhorn too. I don't know if you can see these. Now, is it is it a Wayne Bergeron flugel? Uh, it's an 8315, 8315 flugel, but one of that's one the old ones on the bottom, and then the one right above it uh, is the prototype 
uh, with a new with some different parts, basically the same flugelhorn, but with a few different parts, some uh, some phosphorus bronze things, and uh, I'm not even sure I'm supposed to be talking about all this stuff, but people know about it already yeah. anyway. But but uh, but I got to tell you, the new flugelhorn too. You know, the other flugelhorn is great. I never I don't have any complaints, but I started doing this thing where when I was testing them back to back and forth, I went to play. I'd go to to E B just on top of the staff softly. And every time I went to tongue the B on the flugelhorn, there'd be a little burr on the front of the note. But like flugel-esque, you know. I'm never right. trying to sound like a classical trumpet player when I play the flugelhorn. You know, I'm just whatever, whatever, you know, just those imperfections between the notes are kind of beautiful sometimes, you know, getting catching something in between, you know. And uh but then I realized when I picked every time I picked up the new one, I could go body and it was never a glitch. And it's the exact same specifications with the difference of metal in annealing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I said, man, you were onto something. Cause, and we went back and forth 20 times to make sure it wasn't just me. And every single time, and I did something here in my home studio, I did something where there was a little flugelhorn thing that went up to high C or something. I said, I'm pulling out the new one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, it went well. So the old one's not a bad horn at all. It's a fantastic, it's been a very successful horn. It doesn't, it doesn't say LA on it, but I was associated with yeah. the original design. So yeah. the horns kind of associated well, with it. And, and Klaus wants to know, can you give a discount code for those that want to purchase right away? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, <clears throat> no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a... Uh, um, yeah, people ask me that all the time. Hey, can you give me a deal on yeah, horn? Or of course, of course. I'll be, be honest with you, though. I have a hang on. So I got to close a window here. Skip this version, okay? Um, there's been a couple of students, like you know, poverty level students. Mm -hmm. There was this one kid in uh, in Louisiana, and the band director contacted me. And uh, between their parents' association there, and then I paid the difference, and I or I get at my cost. Yamaha gave me my at their cost. I got this, I've gotten a couple of kids like that, a horn, a new horn, you know. That's awesome, Wayne. And, and seeing the yeah. look on their face, if I, if I had the video, I could find it, I would show you the video of this kid, man. If I've done anything right in my life, it was that mm -hmm. moment. Because this kid opened this case up, his band director is filming, filming him, he's opening it up. And it's a demo of me, a video of me playing it, testing it for him and telling mm -hmm. him, look at the serial number on that horn, this is your horn, and you know. It was a kind of nice. a feel good, feel good moment. So yeah, I've gotten a few, few deals like that. Unless you're poverty stricken, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, here's a here's an interesting question. Uh, and unless you're going to play some of Sergey's repertoire, right? But have you ever spent time with a four valve flugel? Uh, I have. I've messed around with the old Gutson four or five. And, and Stonevy makes a four valve flugel now. That's really great, from what I understand. Um, but not much. I mean. I don't even like playing down a low F sharp, let alone going past <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what's the fingering I, for that note anyways? <laughs> you, know what, you know what I did play recently was one of my colleagues, Aaron Smith, who's a uh, very fine trumpet player. He's a Stone V artist. And uh, he had a, a four-valve C trumpet. And uh, and I don't really play C. I mean, I I was trying to do it for a while because my colleague, everybody, I get on a date and I'm the only one on B flat. And I'm like, oh, I just feel like a schmuck. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know, so I play, you know, so I was trying, trying to play C, but I was never confident on it. I never liked my sound on it. I just, I haven't spent enough time with it. But I picked up this Stone V and I, you know, and there was something about it 
that felt more like a B flat to me. And I don't know if it's the extra weight, you know, and maybe it was a larger bore or something. I don't know, but it was more open C trumpet, even a large bore C trumpet to me feels much more resistant than my B flat. So I embrace that in a weird way, you know, being the lughead that I am when I blow. So I can't, I can't make it sound elegant. I can make the B flat sound pretty good, you know, in a classical sense. On the C trumpet, I, I feel it sounds small to me from my end of the horn compared to when John Lewis plays it. And I hear this brilliance and this clarity. So, uh, but I picked up this stone V trumpet and I was like, oh man, I could, I could probably play this. But, you know. Hey, uh, I want to take a left turn. I was thinking about something we were chatting right before we went live. You're talking about uh, getting back into the studio, right? And uh, <laughs> what's going on in, in Hollywood right now as, as far as getting to the soundstage. Want to share a little bit about uh, how that's working? Yeah, we, I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, obviously, there was nothing. And I couldn't play at the beginning of the pandemic anyway, because I was going through these cancer treatments and my mm -hmm. my whole scene went south very quickly. But as I started playing again in June last year, starting to, I mean, I played through the treatments, but it was very difficult. But I started playing again, uh, work starting op opening up, but remotely, you know. So some show, the first ones I started doing was Family Guy was saying, hey, we're going to get these shows done. We'll send you the mock-ups and you know, send you the tracks and you can you know, create a Pro Tools session and and play the parts from home. So I started doing that. I would play all four parts, flugel parts. There's a lot of flugel horn on that show. So four flugels or four trumpets or whatever and, and upload them to the thing and send them off. So I started working and we started doing them like that. And just, just until the last six weeks have we gone back into the studio. Mm -hmm. Start doing them again, but it's still a smaller band. We The strings go in the morning and then the brass and the woodwinds go in the afternoon. We're social distanced, plexiglass between everybody. Everybody COVID tested now, have to be COVID tested before you go. And that's all actors, camera people, anybody on a major studio lot. Um, so, and that, you know, creates another thing because we get paid for the COVID test because we have to go in on a different day. So have to pay us for a time. So it makes the project more expensive, of course, too, you know, so that can be problematic with being competitive with people that don't care about health <laughs> and safety, you know, in other places, maybe, you know, so, uh, but we've been going back in a little bit more, but a lot of the shows I'm still doing remotely. We do, I, I mentioned Animaniacs uh, reboot, that's still remote. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the last world of Mickey Mouse, uh, the ones I've done have still been remote. And I do this Green Eggs and Ham uh, Netflix series that David Newman composes the music on, which is really great music. Man, David Newman is just so awesome. And I do that from home as well. So I have one tomorrow, as a matter of fact. I'm recording one tomorrow. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, But it's good to get back in. It felt so good to see people. And know everybody was safe. So you felt, yeah, you know, everybody got a temperature. Everybody's been COVID tested. And most people now have been vaccinated. Mm hmm there's a little bit more of a comfort zone about re being around people. We still have to wear masks. We have to go out a certain way, come in a certain way, hand sanitizers everywhere, your own trash, uh, trash can for your own spit. Oh. All that, all these precautions. It's a little bit of drag. It's hard to hear because we have dividers between us. So mm. it's been, it's worked okay though. It's, it's worked fine. It's, it's sounds, apparently it sounds really great still. So it's just weird. So, uh, you know, they're making it work with a smaller group, but when things relax a little bit more, do you think they'll go back to, you know, the 40-piece, the 60-piece string section? Oh, and 
Oh, I, I will. They will at some some point. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, instead of doing twenty and overdubbing, right? They they still get you know forty strings if they have to overdub. So, um, I'm sure I'm sure they will. It's it's loosening up. I mean, as you know, as this this illness becomes less prevalent, and you know, it'll become more like the flu. <laughs> it will at some point. You know, and yeah. And um, but you think about you know I think about this you know since even with my immune system being compromised because I've worn a mask even when I've gone in public and I've been very, very careful. I haven't even had a cold in a year. Huh. Not my wife either. And anybody around, nobody, and it's probably the same for everybody here listening. If you've been careful, you probably haven't had a cold. You know, so just, you know, showing how effective this has been to helping the spread of this. Is it, was it the end yeah. all? No, but it definitely helped. And, you know, you figure in Japan and China and everywhere else, the people when they get sick, they wear a face covering. They were just way ahead of the curve on us on all this, you know. But I, I don't think that's going to change. I think it'll be part of our culture, not to wear masks everywhere. But if somebody's sick, you have a cold or something, you would probably wear a mask. I think I will probably the rest of my life. That's probably the protocol I would take to keep from. Well, I think the hardest thing is is communicating with people, right? I mean, it's you learn to read people's eyes, but don't you want to actually be able to hear somebody the first time and not say what? <laughs> what? Say yeah, that again. <laughs> a lot of that goes on, you know, because you can't hear them as walking well muffled, and you can't read yeah. their lips. And, yeah. and I'm 63, and I'm losing my hearing from playing the trumpet, and, and all of that, you know. So you do not look 63. Thank you very much. And just right now, you're going to say hey, you look 68. <laughs> no, I'm doing <laughs> yeah, right. Know, it's weird, man. I I uh, I've managed to keep my hair. I've managed to keep from getting gray hair somehow, and it's not. It's the same Grecian formula, man. I I have no gray well, hair, and yeah. And uh, and I've had people argue with me, like, "Oh, come on, where's your on? You're dying your hair." And I do not dye my hair. I swear on my mother's life, I do not dye my hair. I have a tiny bit of gray coming in right here, and I'm 63, and I earned some gray hair, so that helps. I mean, I, I look like I'm. You know, the problem is. Is I'm going to be 70 and I'm not going to have any gray hair and I'm going to look stupid. Yeah, <laughs> but, but Wayne, you're missing a whole market here, right? I mean, it could be the Wayne Bergeron brand of uh, just for men, <laughs> exactly. right? I'll Don't you know how many how many people would buy that? <laughs> well, trumpet players buy anything gimmicky. Yeah, that's am. what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> you, you're missing a whole, a whole market. I, I, I expect at the next ITG, you're going to have a table there. With the just for men, Wayne Bergeron. Yeah, there'll be no GR mouthpieces or anything like that. It'll just be a hair, hair product. But uh, I'll probably yeah. just streak my hair gray if I'm 70. I'll just make it gray. The yeah. hell with it. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and 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 well, thank you for the compliment. And the weight loss. Yeah. But I'm also, as I mentioned, I'm a pretty avid hiker now, and I'm yeah, I'm going to it. So I'm I'm pretty healthy, man. I'm probably healthier than I've ever been physically because now I've got cardio under my belt and, and yeah. it's helped with my trumpet playing because when I was coming back from the cancer treatments, man, my wind, hmm. man, I, right. I would go, ba -da 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 -da. When I was doing stamp, I went back to stamp because I used to do it a long time ago. So when I was coming back, I figured, let me go back to my roots. And uh, now I can play them with one breath and, mm -hmm. you know, and so I, I see that that's how that's changed mm -hmm. from getting that back together a little bit. Because, nice. you know, you know, and losing that weight and stuff that changes our playing a lot, changed my playing a lot. 
I know it well, changed your you know. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, we were talking about that. Um, and not that I want to take up everybody's time on that, but you know, uh, it is it's something that's out there, right? I mean, cancer can affect uh, your playing. Anything can affect your playing, but you know, severe weight loss can also take its toll. You know, and uh, and so I reached out to you, and I'll tell people publicly publicly here. Thanks to Wayne Bergeron for for the help. Uh, ben Wright was also a huge help. Bobby Shu. Um, so you know, that's another thing we're talking about. It's scary, right, to let people know that uh, something's going on. And so I was pretty quiet about it for a long time because you know, you know, until I'm now I'm comfortable. I feel like I'm playing well again and. Uh, yeah, it's you, okay man. to talk about it, but you know, it's it's a it's a that's a scary place to be. Yeah, so. Bobby Shear is always my my first go to whenever I'm having a problem with anything. I had a system I left years ago. I just go to Bobby Shear. What would Bobby do? Hmm. It's my first, but I, in this situation, he's he helped me a bunch. I kind of went back to in, in compass, you know, encompassing the wedge breath in a in a different way, kind of than in the right way because <laughs> the way I was doing it before wasn't really correct. Correct as he pointed out. And uh, and uh, I started doing Pilates and getting myself in shape. So now I feel like I've got my core working for me a little bit with this stuff. But I also reached out to Vinny Martino and just yeah. recently Alan Mazzuti, talked to him. We did a little Zoom hang the other day and his wife went through the same cancer as I did too. So we mm -hmm. talked about that a lot. And, uh, and Greg Wing and Jerry Hay and Larry Hall and you know, all my, these colleagues of mine that were so helpful, man, with advice and, and, and did they, any one of them have the definitive answer? No, of course not. Mm -hmm. But they all planted seeds that really helped me. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and as my weight, as my body and my metabolism caught up with the weight loss and I got stronger and the trumpet playing, trying to catch up with all that, it all kind of went and leveled out. And now, you know, now I can bang on some of these high notes again, you know, and nice. and then I got my sound back and all that, you know, stuff that was not there. Yeah. At one point, and that's a scary place to be, right? When it's not there. Yeah, but you know what? The trumpet community is pretty supportive, right? I mean, it's this is a great place uh, to share. I think we've learned that for a lot of reasons. In fact, Alan was, a lot of people, yeah. yeah. you know, I talked to Alan a couple of weeks ago and he's like, you got to get the wives. You got to start interviewing the wives. And I'm like, remember, I'd asked you about Barb because uh, you know, it's not just those of us that have the cancer. It's those that are, that have to endure it along with us. Yeah. You know, the journey yeah. affects everybody. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do a talk about that with Barb. We'll do a short little uh, hang yeah. here one night and, uh, yeah. and maybe and the people that have had this experience, you know, yeah. uh, you know, going through something as tragic as that. Yeah. Uh, but my wife is a wealth of information and, 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 you know, and she helped me as a player as well, man, mm -hmm. get my head out of this stuff you know, the playing problems I was going through, you know, mm -hmm. so she's kind of my rock uh, with, with all of that stuff, you know, so I mean, anyway, congratulations on the weight loss because you look great. Uh, thanks. Thanks, man. You're playing, you're playing leveling out, man, and yeah. it's a good feeling, you know, now I'm, so I'm, uh, we'll I'm, have uh, to hike together. I haven't had a flat stomach, you know, in 40 years, man. So that's the Pilates working, right? Well, I, to be honest with you, no, I think it's just, I've just lost some weight and uh, the I, I've kind of neglected the Pilates as of recently, but I'm getting ready to dive back in. I kind of went south on it a little bit just because of time. And as I started going back to work, I didn't have time to, to do it, but now my wife wants to do it. So we've contacted her again. And, mm -hmm. and let me tell you, if you've never done Pilates and I'm Wayne Bergeron never said, let's do Pilates in his life. Never. 
Yeah. That will kick your ass. <laughs> I mean, you can be, I don't care how tough you think you are. You go into one of the positions this gal tells you to go into. She goes, now raise your foot one, your left foot six inches. And I'm like, ah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and every muscle in your core right training and because you're you're doing it all with core so it's really good for mm -hmm. this core stuff and the reason i started doing it is because this good friend of mine danielle Andarnza, who's a really great french horn player that lives here and she went through some health issues you know some she had this surgery and had some part of her liver removed and, and, and this i don't know exactly what she had done but it was very serious for her mm -hmm. and as she put herself back together playing wise she was really struggling she lost weight was weak she started doing Pilates. She said, Wayne, I put a third on my range from what I used to have. From Pilates. Oh, wow. I said, give me that number now. <laughs> so that's why I started, because she said that, because mm -hmm. I was struggling with this. She said, Wayne, I literally put a third on my range. So I would incorporate Bobby Shoe's yoga breath. Yep. You know, you know, where you pull your navel in. But what I would also do, because I would practice at this church, because I could be there and be alone, you know, and mm -hmm. I'd sit in the church pew, and then I would engage my core when I played like I do in Pilates when I'm lifting my legs or something. So I would, you know, go and I'd pull my navel and then I would pin my spine to the wood. Mm. And I would play. And it's uncomfortable because it's making me strain right now. But when I go to play, my upper body would be completely relaxed. Mm. And then this would feel normal. It's like, okay, I think I'm onto something here that's a little different. You know, by in really engaging my core. Now, do I want to sit and think about that when I play all the time? No. But as an exercise of putting myself back together and getting my core strength back together, I think it was really beneficial to me. Yeah. And I, I would go to the bank with it. You know, if I had surgery again down here and was coming back, I would do all this again the exact same way. So uh, that that was helpful. And this is like me just, you know, from asking questions and trying to learn. And, yeah. and every once in a while something sparks up here. Hey, wait a minute. I got a good idea. I got a good idea. Let me try this. Yeah. You know, and you get some success out of it, you know, so. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's funny, uh, Ben Wright, you know, I mentioned him a minute ago, but he was talking about yoga. You know, it's funny uh, as trumpet players, we, we don't think a whole lot maybe about <laughs> anything right. other than lifting a, a, a mug of beer, you know, right. or, or a pizza. Right. Exactly. But uh, yeah, you realize where that's, especially as we get older, right. That stuff does yeah, get important. I mean, you don't have to be, you know, I know a lot of really big lead trumpet players that are, you know, big dudes. And, you know, George Graham was a big dude. Rick Baptist was a big dude. You know, a lot of the greatest lead trumpet players I've ever seen were really big dudes. You know, but is it, do you have to be that big? If you're used to playing with that mass, as you know, mm -hmm. and they take that mass away, all of a sudden, yep, there's going to be a problem. Because that mass, whether it's fat or whatever, it's part of your anatomy, is part of your strength. And, and, you know, when you're blowing through the horn, you're using all of that on some level. And if you take it away real fast, if you took it away very gradually, it would maybe level out a little quicker. This great trumpet player, Chad Schumann, you know, oh, yeah. he's oh, yeah. from the big fat band. Chad's a high note machine. I mean, this guy is just like the most blistering. <laughs> he'd make me laugh when he played. He hit a double high C and I would start laughing. He silenced the ITG convention floor one time. <laughs> I swear to you, at Amherst. And he picked up this random trumpet, like a Taylor trumpet. We were at their booth. And I go, Chad, do your thing. And he just started going, and he went up to this double high C and just started holding it. And it silenced the floor. And I go, ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. You know? Yep. 
So, but he lost a hundred pounds at one time. Yeah. At one point, he went on this strict diet. He might have even had stapled, you know, because he needed to lose weight, and it jacked him up. Now I think he's figured it out. And he's put some of that weight back on. He's got his chops back, and he's living in Tucson now. But yeah, if you lose that, but then again, Brian McDonald is ninety pounds soaking wet, right. and about as powerful as a Lee Trumpet player as you will yeah. ever hear. And Alan Vizzuti is thin dude. You know, we talked about that the other day. He said, "Well." I don't know what the weight loss means because I've always been thin, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but I imagine if, you know, if he got real sick and he lost a bunch of weight, I mean, I think weight loss, unless it's done in a very, very healthy fashion, you know, there's going to be a balancing act that goes on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, and treating it with radiation is not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, I, I yeah, I did. I did the bariatric surgery route, you know, and so mm -hmm. under still under physician's care. So, yeah. you know, pretty safe. Uh, David Wolf commented down here. He's covering the anatomy and physiology of trumpet playing at the University of Kentucky Summer Trumpet Institute. I think that's what that acronym is. Uh -huh. um, and David is a biologist. I think that's that might be what his field is. Um, but, you know, it's great to have people out there actually talking about that sort of thing. It's kind of like Bobby Shue, you know, getting all that information. Uh, and, and, of course, Bobby Bobby puts it in a way that, uh, of course, directly relates to trumpet. Yeah, Bobby knows a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he has yeah. a lot of information on that head of his, man. And Yeah. You know, he's talking me off the fence on many occasions, you know, when I've been in trouble. Uh and he even with my chops, he goes, "Man, dude, you're looking for your chops 50 pounds ago. You need to find your chops now." You know. Yeah. I'm yeah. Going, yeah. You're right. Yeah. I'm not going to feel that way anymore. I got to yeah. feel different now. Yeah. Find it. You know. So he gave me some advice, and it worked. You know. So who knew? Yeah. He knows what he's talking about, I guess. <laughs> hey, Wayne. Yeah. I. This is great. I and I want to respect your time. I usually plan about an hour on this. I know we were over uh, a little bit, but uh, um, man, it's great to see you again. I, I'm glad to know you're healthy and uh, getting healthier all the time. I look forward to hearing. Uh, and actually, I am going to remind people. I'll put that Atticat, uh link up in the notes, or it'll it'll go on the uh, the YouTube info. You can find it there, but. Um, I'm looking forward to getting a hold of more of those charts coming up. Um, yeah, it's really, it was really, it was really a fun thing to do and therapeutic for me as well because it gave me something to do here. Yeah, and and, uh, and it really, I mean, I'm really proud of it. It came out, it came out great, you know. Yeah. So uh, I think you'll like it. Yeah. So um, everybody that that has been here tonight, thank you so much for uh, for your comments, for chiming in, listening. And uh, a quick reminder that next week is uh, Bijan Watson, uh, Tuesday night, 8 p.m., same bat time, same bat channel. Um, so, Wayne, thanks again. Uh, hang tight. Uh, I'm going to sign off here. Oh, and, and Austin Custom Brass. I can't forget to say uh, thanks again to Austin Custom Brass, Trent Austin, for his support for this month's uh, live series. So thanks, everybody. Uh, no, hopefully, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Trent, Trent's great, right? Good, good cat. Yeah, great player too, man. Yeah. So, all right, everybody, thank you so much. And yeah. uh, we will see you next week. And... We off here.
Not yet. <laughs> it's I'm taken a while. Not standing up from not wearing pants. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's taken a while here. Well, this is entertaining for people who are 